The following is a sponsored program on 100.7 FM, WHIN 1010 AM. The views, information, or opinions expressed during this program are solely those of the individuals or participants involved and do not necessarily represent those of Braden Madison Broadcasting or its employees. 100.7 FM, WHIN 1010 AM presents Sumner County Spotlight, a weekly public affairs program each Sunday morning at 10 AM. Here's your host for Sumner County Spotlight, Jeff Shannon. Well, good morning and welcome to Sumner County Spotlight on this Sunday morning. Uh, Jeff Shannon, I'm here to facilitate what's about to happen. And what's about to happen is going to be incredible because these are such great causes that we have here. I want to introduce Mary Jackson. Now, she's been on the show before, a friend of our show. But, you know, I was looking at all of your credentials here. She's an author, a certified special needs and disability advocate, a live streamer, a speaker, an educator, a ghostwriter, a songwriter, and E&L Publishing and the manager of Sisters J Music, which you have a little connection to. But with all of this, you still have time and help autism and get the awareness, raise the awareness uh, for that. So you're busy. Just a little bit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we talked about that last time, right? Yeah, well, it's just, I guess, how you manage your time and time management has to be critical here, You know, especially with the girls doing so well, popping up the charts internationally and everything else. And you're trying to manage manage that and keep them in check, Yeah, and which I know is probably a chore. <laughs> It is, and like today we have a we're on Positive Talk Radio today in Seattle, Washington. So you know it's, it's all managing yeah. all that stuff. But you know, being a part of uh, as an ambassador for Autism Tennessee, it's I have to be active out in the work. You know, I have to be working and active out in the public. Absolutely, in the sense of awareness, raising awareness. Um, we hold as an as an ambassador, we have to hold events. And it could be in any format that we want. So they allow us to be creative, like helping to create the sensory room in the library here and holding mental health awareness events at the library. All of those kind of tie into bringing that awareness of Autism Tennessee and what it does for the families in Middle Tennessee, which is really important for those of us who are affected and have children who are on the spectrum. Sure. Now, I think I might have asked you this before, but in the library system here in Sumner County, are you in only a couple of them that would be able to handle the needs of this or are all the different different libraries throughout the county involved in this? Uh, are they involved in the uh, the, With the sensory walk? awareness? And... Oh, the sensory awareness. I, You know what? I don't know. We've started that process. Hmm. And so I do know the Hendersonville Public Library is. And so then we have the other libraries in the county. And, and it's, it's a process of, mm-hmm. you know, having those conversations. Autism Tennessee and I have done some consulting with libraries, the library system in the eastern part of Tennessee and some other states as well, okay. helping them because they have seen what we're doing here and have wanted to be a part of that and and make that awareness happen in their libraries as well so we are sure that it will happen throughout our county because it is a very important thing we want all kids and families to feel welcome because libraries are really um they used to be the center of our cities and towns and communities and they still are they're a place Mm -hmm. of resource and a place to take your children and love literacy you know absolutely well i mean i think it's a great thing that you know we have an organization like this what actually does autism tn do so they provide resources and support and different kinds of uh, programs and things for families that have either young adults or children or adult children still living at home with them that have autism. Mm-hmm. So they have a lot of different programs to help folks. They have, actually, they have a helpline like all nonprofits do. They have education and programs that they do. They have family fun events. They have outreach programs and advocacy, which is something that I'm a 
part of, you know, if somebody wanted to be an ambassador advocate for Autism Tennessee, they could contact them. That's being a part of the organization, but being kind of out in the field. You know, I don't go into the office. I, I'm out in the field and, and I help families where needed. And I, I've had quite a few calls with school starting about parents, you know, hey, somebody gave me your number and, you know, I don't know what to do with my child and we're we're not settled right now or we're new to the area or my child is showing this and what do I do you know whether Mm -hmm. they're first going into the school system or they're already in I I have to talk to a mom today about that sure well and I got to looking at trying to understand what autism is and I pulled up in an official I guess explanation of what it is it's a neurological and developmental disorder that affects how people interact with others Mm -hmm. okay communicate learn and also behave so it's they have to learn that so through autism it can be diagnosed I guess at any age yes it's not just that when you're really young right it, it can really happen uh, along the way now it's described as a developmental disorder because the symptoms generally appear within the first two years of life so yes. that's when you're starting to notice you know different things you yes. know, happening yeah absolutely there's like that significant age when a child is young between I think it's you know about 18 months to about the age of three, where they tend to see what you might call autism show up if Mm -hmm. it hasn't shown up before. Like I know with my middle daughter, her language was delayed from the very beginning. And so I knew we knew something was wrong with her. I I don't want to say wrong, excuse me. There was a challenge there because there's nothing wrong with it. It just was a challenge. We had to teach her how to speak English. She couldn't even speak her own language, which I really to this day find quite fascinating. Mm -hmm. And so with my little guy at 18 months, I I could start to see that there were things because of already having a child going through the TEIS system, which Mm -hmm. is Tennessee Early Intervention system Mm -hmm. that we have here, which is a blessing. The earlier that you can get a child therapy and services, the more success that you'll have for a child overcoming whatever challenges they have. Sure. So when you have a grown adult, I, I hear those stories all the time. They may be 20s, 30s, 40s, and somehow they took a test online and they said, wow, okay, so this tells me, this explains my entire life to me. I had no idea that I had any t- sort of an, uh, an autism type of thing mm-hmm. going on. And it's it's a relief for them, but it mm-hmm. helps them to not feel like they are so weird or an outcast or what the world interprets is weird that has made them feel that way. It helps them to understand themselves better. Well, I guess if you have young children, you're not really sure. Uh, some of the symptoms or, or some of the signs you wanna look for is not responding to their name. Right. You know, I think is probably avoiding eye contact, which a lot of people do that. You know, right. they don't feel comfortable looking eye to eye at people, maybe not smiling when you smile at them. So they give you the blank thing or not even register that. And of course, getting upset if, if they don't like certain tastes, smells or sounds. I don't know if you've experienced any of these, but, you know, repetitive movements, you know, flapping their hands, flicking their fingers or rocking their body. You know, think mm-hmm. I'm sure there's probably other signs uh, of that that you might have experienced or seen. Yes, absolutely. So it's also about a a lot of people have an aversion to taste and senses and sounds. So we're all, we are, we experience the world through sensory intake. And so for a child on the spectrum, theirs is magnified 
so much. So if you have a child that's putting their hands over their head when you flush the toilet, especially, I mean, my little guy is nine and still when we're out at a, at a public toilet somewhere, he'll put his hands over his ears because it's too loud for him. Mm-hmm. So it's, it is also about that, it's about that social interaction. If you see a child playing along other side other children, but not with a child, that is considered some child, a child on the spectrum. Now, a child on the spectrum can have an extremely high IQ, mm-hmm. but their social interaction IQ can be lower if you want to put it in those kind of terms, yeah. where they don't get those same social cues like you or I do. Like, I may be looking at your face right now because we're sitting here talking, and I, maybe I say something, and then your eyebrows go up. Well, or so your you're face looking at my face. That's why you grimaced when you, that's why I have a face for radio. I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Oh, no, 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 no. You're so funny. No, 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 no. I just think that, you know, we, we read facial cues Absolutely. where a person on the spectrum may not re- read facial cues. Also, as someone someone on the spectrum will become hyper-focused on only what they're interested in. So they can't really talk to you about other mm-hmm. things because they're so focused on what they're interested in and they don't know how to, you know, like transition to like we were like we're you and I are interacting right now in our conversation and someone on the spectrum may not be able to to do that mm-hmm. um, so I know included in schools a lot uh, now are a lot of the social emotional classes all children need them though yeah. not just yeah. your kids on the spectrum sure. but you know what I have seen with two of my kids has been a complete miracle to, to have two nonverbal children who are completely verbal. I have one who's in college now at one of our local colleges and going to school for animation and filmmaking. And she's wow. got a 133,000 word novel she's written. I mean, this is a child who couldn't speak English. This is a child who was developmentally delayed. This is a child who was sensory processing, language processing. So growth can happen and mm-hmm. challenges can be conquered. That's where the advocacy from a parent becomes so vitally important for a child. Well, and I think a lot of people, if they've experienced this, they blame themselves and it's like, it's not your fault. Yeah. I mean, there could be some complications during pregnancy that, that might cause an autism spectrum, but you know, genetic mutations, I think, from, from everything that I've read are, are in fact environmental factors. I mean, there's several things, you know, even air pollutants or they, they kind of uh, trigger that that disorder you know that spectrum so it's it's really kind of a pretty deep kind of disorder I guess over the years people have studied it a lot and, and yes. come to understand it more and more and, and with your experience and of course everything you've been involved with you know since having you know children with a disorder like that I mean you've learned a lot <laughs> yeah it's really complicated mm-hmm. Jeff because I've been asked that question many times over the years what do you think causes it? Um, but the the thing is, you know, when when a when a baby is in utero, it, it receives all the toxins from the mother. Okay, so you think about this pure infant coming in. We're not talking about any genetic thing, mm-hmm. but just a, just a child coming into the earth or the world takes on all of the toxins in the mother. That's why it's very important to eat healthy and stuff. Why we're pre- you know and watch medications that you take. Yeah, because yeah. there's been the whole lawsuit with the connection to Tylenol. I know I was on the phone with them talking about to see if we qualified because of course sure. when you're pregnant, that's all that you are are allowed to take is Tylenol, no ibuprofen. So of course I took Tylenol with both my pregnancies, but or all three of them. But anyways, um, when a child comes into the earth and they've already got all these toxins, and then we have, like you said, environmental and food and all kinds of things, their body gets overloaded. And so it's 
some parts of it is the inflammation of the neuropathways and in the brain that creates some of the issues that a child has. There's significant change in a child when you change their diet, you clean it up, you do some detoxifying with them. I did detoxification with both of my kiddos. And for my youngest, uh, his language just burst through after that weekend of what we did. Mm-hmm. And then he also, uh, two other significant things that happened with him. One is at, up until that point, till he was about four, almost five, maybe, he wouldn't let other people touch him. And then he got to a place where he would let people touch him and hold him and hug him. Hmm. So okay. now he's completely different than he was then. And also uh, being able to register that he was hungry. He never could tell me. Ever. So I was one of, you know, I was just that mom who, You're like learning. we do, yeah. okay, it's this time, and I know this child needs, to, my child needs to eat food. Mm-hmm. So those were significant wow. changes that I saw in my own child. I, I saw this uh, fact, like who's at a high risk for autism? You know, and it, 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 it's a pretty, I guess, in-depth kind of explanation, but children that are born to older parents are a higher risk for having autism, which I thought was quite interesting. So I, okay, I, what I will say to you is I think that's partially true, Mm -hmm. but it's not a hundred percent accurate because when I was pregnant with my youngest, I was 44 and you know, that's like ancient, what I thought was ancient nine, 10 years ago, but it was not. When I went in, they reassured me that the majority of the mothers that they saw having children with challenges were younger mothers. Now that was nine, Mm -hmm. 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. Now we know research and data changes all the time. Absolutely. So I think that is a possibility because women who are older having babies, you don't have the same, your hormone levels aren't the same, your body is gearing down to usually not have children anymore. So I think all of those can absolutely affect the baby that you carry. Sure. And there's just so many other factors. And it's something that you really have to study and you have to learn, you know, and there's plenty of uh, resources out there that you can do. And we're going to talk about some of those when we come back. And then we have a, a big event coming up. We definitely yeah. want to talk about it. It sounds like a, a real fun time. Yeah. So we will continue our, our talk with Mary Jackson right here on Sumner County Spotlight. And we'll be right back. Thanks for listening to Summer County Spotlight. Be sure to check out our podcast page at whinradio.com. Just go to the podcast tab and click the Summer County Spotlight. There you can check out this show as well as our past episodes. This is Jeff Shannon. Hey, let's get right back to the show. And we're back with Summer County Spotlight. And we're going to continue our conversation with Mary Jackson. And, of course, we're talking about the about autism and all, all the facets of it. But, Mary, you're involved with Autism Tennessee, and they're doing a lot of incredible things throughout Middle Tennessee. And we have what I'm seeing is the fourth annual Pajama Walk coming up. So you got to tell us what that's all about. Yeah, so super excited about it. Um, it is going to be... Uh, September 24th from 9 to 11 in the morning and um, at the end of this we'll tell everybody where it is so they can you know come and you can get on um, autismtennessee.org and register if you want to be a part of the walk you can also donate if you want but the walk is to raise awareness of Autism Tennessee and what it stands for in our community and their goal is to raise $50,000 at the event to um, help provide services resource and support for the 65,000 plus families 
families that are affected by autism in some way every day in our community here mm-hmm. in Middle Tennessee, which that's a lot of families. <laughs> um, yeah. But we're going to walk for two hours, raise money. Everybody's supposed to wear their pajamas. And we're going to have a sensory walk, which is super, super cool, which they're going to be sensory stations along the way for your child to have all kinds of sensory oh, experiences. Yeah. And so we're, the kids are going to be barefoot. So they're connected to the earth, you know, and grounded and because it feels good on your feet, you know, and mm-hmm. everything. And then there are some vendors out there that will be out there, you know, they'll be providing information, resources and um, selling things. And, and where's it going to be held at? Does it say on there? Uh, so we, I think it's the Southeast Regional Community Center. That's in Antioch, yes. right? Yep. So that's at that 5260 Hickory Hollow Parkway. And you, you can't miss it. In fact, you can text. I see a text number, which I, people like to do. If you text PJ Walk and then write this number down to 71 777. Type in 71777 and just put PJ Walk, and that will uh, get you some information right there. But yeah, so uh, over there in, in Antioch, they're going to be doing this. Is there a route or a path? Yeah, they've already. Take? Yeah, they've got the path. Okay. I think it's just a quarter mile. It's not okay. long. Right. You know, I was going to say walking barefoot is. Yeah, well, yeah, and of course you don't have to walk barefoot, but uh, they're just they want to make it fun, and there'll be live music. And um, I, the last time we went was pre-pandemic. There was. There was a station set up for kids with trains because kids love trains. And I know there was a balloon guy and there was face painting. And, you know, we we had a lot of fun that day. It was Mm -hmm. very, very hot. So it'll be interesting to see how September 24th is. But it's a quarter mile walk from what I can remember. And that's so that, you know, because you've got kids who they get they might get overheated very quickly Mm -hmm. and their attention span may may not be very long to walk and they Mm -hmm. may get overwhelmed to sensory wise and uh, i can't walk a half mile you know (laughs) because kids come in all shapes and sizes sure absolutely yeah you can get involved in this walk you can even join a a team or you can create your own team well you can join a team the teams have been created okay so you can join a team and if you go to autism org and all the information is there there's also let's see the number for the helpline is 615-270-2077 so you can call that number as well to get information Mm -hmm. but you can register on that website if you want to uh, register to be a part of the walk or donate money yeah and they got some teams here that's pretty cool team mid tn sports yeah we got uh Team Sesame Street. Yeah. Oh, this is gonna be a Team Star Wars. I know. I know. I saw the I names. Am your yeah. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> and Team Minecraft. That's got to be a popular one, right there. Very popular. Yeah. Well, yeah. You can join those teams and and get in on the action. Now, if somebody wanted to sponsorship, uh, do that. Uh, they can do that text number or go to the website. And I'm sure sponsor. it's you know all of our social media as well. So it'd be pretty easy to find. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and we've been getting some donations for like water and. Uh, uh, different um, they've got some giveaways and some prizes and things like that you yeah. know so very very exciting and um, we're hoping that uh, either you know either and or the newspaper will come out to cover it we'll get some media coverage because mm-hmm. this is a very 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 important subject it's not going away sure. it's not changing and there are more and more kids being diagnosed every year and so we need to support those organizations that support our families 
families in need. It's really, really important. And Nashville has some great organizations that yes. are nonprofits. They really do. And so, you know, getting that awareness out there is so important. You know, one of the programs I think is really great with Autism Tennessee, they have a college ambassador program. So if you have autism and you are in college, you can be an, an ambassador for Autism Tennessee, bringing those programs, events, support onto the campus for other kids who are in the college system, which mm-hmm. I think is is a really great thing to do. I do know that Belmont is working on a special education uh, department program. Mm-hmm. Lipscomb has a really great special education uh, department at their college, are really great with inclusion, adaptation, you know, just whatever a, a student needs. They're, sure. they're doing a really great job. You know, I was going to ask that, that the colleges had those resources available to folks. And of course, you would think that, you know, Belmont is going to lead the way with this, but I think it's a it's a great thing to have as a parent not having to worry about how they get to work on campus and right. and and kind of resume the normalcy of life, I guess, and and study and and doing all of that. So well, they're supposed to be ADA compliant, of course. All colleges Absolutely. are. I do know, like when my oldest went to college, she was in a wheelchair because of surgery, and the campus is over 200 years old, and so we went to the ADA department, and they actually built a ramp for her so she could get in and out of her dorm, okay. and then once she was out of the wheelchair, they took the ramp. They didn't need it anymore which you know it should be Mm. there but anyways it's the these resources on campuses are very important one thing that autism tennessee does focus on is helping those graduating and young adult uh, adults with autism transition out into the world transition into college into into the working life maybe living independently so this is something that they do uh have support and resources for do you have speakers that go out so if an organization wanted to learn more Yes. Do they have, uh, I guess, advocates that can come in and, and give a speech or instruct or teach about this? Because I think the awareness is really the key in education because a lot of people don't really understand right. totally what this is about. Right, absolutely. Yeah, so you know, you can call the helpline or you can go to the organization itself on, on the website and you can request somebody to come to your organization and okay. talk. I mean, yeah. they could contact me if they wanted. That's something that I would do. I was at the Tennessee State Library not too long ago speaking with libraries from all across the Tennessee. I know we said country, Tennessee, <laughs> I don't know. We're, you know, anyways, you know, we were discussing what autism Tennessee does and then how to implement things into the library system. So yes, we are more than happy to do it. The executive director goes out, the program outreach director goes out. Some of us advocates can go out and and speak to different organizations. I I know that uh, I've been involved over the last several months since March trying to work on some bullying legislation, you Mm -hmm. know, from the disability community toward uh, students in school because you've got 50% of your students in the disability community that are bullied as opposed to about 20% of your typical peers, which is still one in five students. Mm -hmm. That's still too much going on. Totally. So, you know, we need to, we, we just, we just got to keep talking and we got to keep sharing and it's very, very important. So if somebody wanted this helpline, the 270-2077, is that a number that uh, people can call? Yes, absolutely. And they can ask questions and they can be directed to the right you know, resource for them. Absolutely. So again, it's 615-270-2077. It'd be a great resource. You want to write that, that, that number down. They can still become a sponsor of the, the Pajama Walk? 
Absolutely. And please come out and join us. Come yeah. see what Autism Tennessee is all about. Bring your children. I think my middle daughter, she's going to, I'm going to pick her up and a bunch of her college buddies, and they're going to come out to support the kids and whoever's there, mm-hmm. you know, and they, they, not all of them have autism or on the spectrum at all, but they want to come and be supportive, which is really, really important. But it's important to teach our kids how to come outside themselves and think about other people. Mm-hmm. and think about being of service to others and how can they support. So we could teach them that young, think about what kind of adult they'll become someday. Now, if you're a parent of a child with needs, why do you think it's important to get certified or to become an advocate for your child? I mean, other than the obvious. <laughs> yeah, well, we become an advocate as soon as we're, we are, we, we're pregnant, right? Because mm-hmm. we have to eat right and take care of ourselves because we're taking care of another life. But I think becoming certified, the significance of it for me in my life um, allowed me to be more efficient and sufficient as a parent to a child with needs and understanding what are my rights, what are my child's rights, what is the law, you know, and helping to advocate for them in the school system to get the services that they needed, two of my kiddos. Mm-hmm. And we're, you know, I'm still, one of them still receiving services. And, you know, I even advocated for my middle daughter at uh, college and said, you know, hey, if she needs this, is this okay? So we went through the disability office office and they call it the accessibility office which is fantastic name for it but (laughs) you know it's very important because there's so much stigma out there and fear of having a label on your child and I I totally understand that I have been there I you know and like you talked earlier about guilt you know a lot of parents go through the grief of what did I do wrong you know did I eat something wrong did I is is it that maybe you had a glass of wine or a glass of beer or coffee or coke or you know, Dr. Pepper, I don't know, you know, or you ate Reese's Pieces through the whole thing. I don't know. We love all those. Or you had Dunkin' Donut coffee. No, we're giving names out, right? But, you know, it's not really your fault. It just is what it just is. And so then it's our job to do the best that we can to give them the services and get them diagnosed as early as possible. But if you go to the doctor, Jeff, right, and you walk in and you don't get a diagnosis for whatever it is you have, you can't get the right medication to take to get better. And it's the Mm -hmm. same exact thing. So you have strep maybe when you're five, right? Are you labeled as the strep guy for your whole life? (laughs) No, right? It's just for that period of time. And then a lot of kids can overcome their challenges and then they they don't need the services anymore. Mm -hmm. And then they just kind of go on with their life. But helping them to understand that it doesn't make them weird or strange or different or bad. That's what the world says, but it's not what the truth is. We have to get them to understand that your brain just works differently. Yes. So figure out how to work with your brain and how it works so that you can function very healthy in life. And I guess every person is different, just like yes. we all are. And we have different quirks and different things that we like and we don't like. And, right. You know, but I think a person with autism can still function as normal everyday life. Absolutely. You know, they can have jobs. They can they can do all of this. Absolutely. I, I have a cousin who has cerebral palsy and he drives, he lives on his own, he went to college, absolutely beautiful. So there are so many things. Autism doesn't mean that you can't not do anything. Mm -hmm. It just means that you might do it different, that's all. 
Yeah, you know? absolutely. Now, you have a team down there at Autism TN, and you want to give a shout out to anybody? Yes, I'd like to say thank you to Jessica Moore and Egbai Uriri and all the team down there that does so much for all of these families in Middle Tennessee and across the state, actually. Yeah. They work very, very hard. You know, they lost their building in the tornado back in uh, right before the pandemic. Is that hit. right? They wow. did. Yep. They were like the only building that got destroyed right where they sit. So they've not been back in their building, but they never stopped. Mm-hmm. You know, they never, never stopped doing all the hard work that they do. So I am so grateful to be a part of it. It's an honor to be a part of them. Um, it's a, you know, it's a privilege to be connected to them and to know that, um, you know, working with them, I know where their hearts are and their hearts are in a really, really good place wanting to make the world a better place. And it is an uphill battle, unfortunately, you know. Again, let's reiterate, we have the Pajama Walk coming up September 24th. Now it's gonna be at the uh, Regional Community Center there in Antioch. That's out in Hickory Hollow Parkway. Again, September 24th from nine in the morning to 11. You can register. They have the text, the 71777, just text PJ Walk uh, to that number. Or you can give a call to their phone number, which is access. And of course, you can get all this information online, uh, social media and all of that, but their number is 615-270-2077. Yeah, and, and join their Facebook group. Absolutely. You know, I think it's Autism Tennessee Families. And, um, you know, reach out to somebody if you feel lonely, if you are just so stressed beyond what you even know what to do because you're not sure what's happening or you're not getting the right services for yeah. your child, you need to reach out to get help and support so you don't feel so alone. And there's people there that will help you. You're yeah. not you're not alone right. in this. So right. Well, Mary, thank you so much. We've been talking to Mary Jackson, and she's been a great advocate for this. And thanks so much for giving all, all this information. Good luck on the pajama walk. Thank you so much. All right. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back with more of Sumner County Spotlight. Thanks for listening to Summer County Spotlight. Be sure to check out our podcast page at whinradio.com. Just go to the podcast tab and click the Summer County Spotlight. There you can check out this show as well as our past episodes. This is Jeff Shannon. Hey, let's get right back to the show. And good morning. Welcome to Sumner County Spotlight with your host, Jeff Shannon. And we are here every Sunday morning, 10 o'clock, and we have some of the incredible guests. I thought, you know, it might be a great idea to invite our outgoing county mayor, Anthony Holt, to come in and kind of let us know about him, what's going on in his life, where he's going, what his future holds, and, and really talk about all of the great accomplishments that he did, which is an incredible career, and I can't wait to hear more about it. So, ladies and gentlemen, Anthony Holt, right here. Well, thank you, Jeff. I'm, uh, I'm honored to be here today. Uh, you know, it's uh, you're right. Very honored to have 32 years of public service and serving our, my community and the citizens that live here. And and I just think we have a great community, one of the best counties in the state of Tennessee. And uh, I hope you think so. We've we've got a lot of amenities here and a lot of good things for people. There's a lot of uh, I think positive growth. There's a lot of opportunities for our young people, and I really believe we've stepped up our game plan and our education system is just in so much better shape than it was just a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, if we, if we go back to the beginning, back in the day, I mean, Sumner County was a lot different than it is right now. Oh, absolutely. And you talk to people who've lived here for, gosh, 50 years, 60 years, what have you, uh, and, and they can tell you the change. Now, of course, you're going to have people say, well, you know, change is bad. Then you're going to have people's change is good. So how do you keep that balance? 
with people that, you know, because you've got to have somebody always hate you for some reason. <laughs> well, I mean, you have to be realistic and look at communities who have no growth. Communities that don't grow, they die. Mm-hmm. And you don't want every kind of growth, but what you want is positive managed growth. And people say, well, we got to build more roads to adjust to the growth. But that's not a county and city issue most of the time. Those are state and federal roads, and we do not have the resources to build major arteries. It's just Mm -hmm. the way it is. Mm -hmm. But the roads that are built by developers, they're up to standard. And we won't accept a road in the county unless it is a certain standard and meets county standards. And once that happens, then we'll accept the road. And it's a good road. You, You have to realize these counties that surrounded Nashville were rural agricultural counties up until, I don't know, maybe the 60s and 70s. They really were very sleepy places, and then they started growing. And you can see with the Hen- the city of Hendersonville, it really didn't exist. It was basically Gallatin and Portland and Westmoreland. And farmland. And it was just farmland. <laughs> yeah. And I remember as a child driving through, I, I grew up in Madison, driving through. My parents had friends in Gallatin. You drive through Hendersonville in the early 60s, and there was there was just nothing there, Harley. Of course, when Old Hickory Lake became came into existence, that kind of uh, started the process. But, you know, we've changed a lot since even the early 90s. And I first was elected in 1990. And it's I've seen a lot of incredible changes. We've changed from a, basically a rural, suburban, little mix of suburban and rural to basically becoming suburban, a very little rural, and almost urban. It's just incredible what's happened. Now, we've got some great communities. We've got some very expensive housing here in Sumner Mm -hmm. County. But what I like about the county, we still have some affordable places for people to live. Uh, With that, I think that builds a strong community because you want diversity. You just do not want all of one type of economic class of people. Because you've got to have people who are less trained, I would say, to work some of the service jobs. Mm -hmm. So you've got to have a good mix. And it works. But one thing I'm very proud of, the last few years, we have really doubled down on education. And a lot of people say, well, I don't have kids anymore, and you and I are in the same situation. We don't have our, our, our children are grown. But here's the reality. Education is the most important thing, except for public safety, you can focus on in a community because you want your young people to be competitive because we're competing not on a national basis but on a global basis it makes our country strong and it gives them the tools to succeed when they succeed then it gets uh, people like me my social security check becomes secure because i know that uh, <laughs> we've got people out there working and they're creative and our country's strong and our community strong and well, I'm the very system, proud, you know, and like like you said, you should be proud uh, of this. That you know, Sumner County Schools probably one of the best in the state. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah, and uh, you know, when when I first took office, they weren't properly funded. You know, we've had in 32 years, we've had four tax increases, and people don't like those. Mm-hmm. And, and and every time I would run, if I was a party to that, I would uh, hear a lot of people, and they were very upset about it. But I think that they really got a really good value. 
Mm-hmm. And and I'm a taxpayer, and I have a farm and some other pieces of property in the county, and I pay my fair share. The reality is your property values, your wealth, anything that is associated with land values are based on our education system. Mm-hmm. If you've got poor schools, you're not going to have the kind of people moving in your community that are your business people, that are your people going to invest in the community. You're just going to be a place that people go because they can't afford somewhere else. Yeah. And so it's it's been incredible. This new school complex we have, incredible. Liberty Creek, yeah. it is amazing. And it's worth every dime of the investment mm-hmm. uh, because we've got a lot of good spend from it. And people all across Middle Tennessee are talking about how nice the school is. And I think it sets the standard, Jeff, Absolutely. for what mm-hmm. we're going to do in the future. Mm-hmm. And I'm proud of that. Well, I think a lot of people think, uh, you know, they, they frown about it, uh, the money you spent. And you just, this thing did not just pop up. I mean, Dell and, and the county, I mean, you guys have been working on that for years. Absolutely. And, and forecasting the growth that's going to happen. And because of the school systems and all the people moving to Summer County, which it is incredible what's happening, you had to had to do it. And, and let me say this. Uh, there was a lot of thought put into this because I work with our director of schools, Dell Phillips, and a fine gentleman, Board of Education and the county commission. We got to where we worked together mm-hmm. instead of opposing Mm-hmm. Uh, what each other did at times. And by doing that, we had the foresight to go out and spend a lot of money. And when I say a lot of money, I think it was around $80 million at the time to rehab our existing schools and upgrade them and build additions. So we did everything we could to make sure that we used the money, our taxpayer mm-hmm. money, in a frugal way to utilize our existing facilities before we went out and built a brand new campus. Mm -hmm. But we built quite a few new schools. We've built Burroughs, we've built our new Liberty Creek. Of course, when I was commissioner, we built Station Camp, that whole complex. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have built schools, but I do think our other schools are in good shape. Now, they're not going to be brand new and have the amenities of of Liberty Creek. Listen, they're community-based schools and the kids that go there get the same quality education as they do any other school. And uh, I just am proud of our young people, and I am honored to be a small part, hopefully, of their success. Well, one of the great things that I, I think, and you probably had a hand in this, that you were able to provide funding for school resource officers in every school. Absolutely. I that's, mean, that's, that's that was one changer. of our goals. Yeah. And and let me tell you, in today's world, unfortunately, that's a high priority mm-hmm. because just like I said earlier, number one, number one in any community is public safety. Public safety. Yeah. If you don't have that, if you don't have safe streets, if you do not have a robust ambulance service, you got a problem because you don't feel comfortable. You don't feel comfortable going out with your family and your loved ones and your your spouse. I can truly say, yes, we do have crime in Sumner County, but we have a low crime rate. Mm -hmm. And we have, and I just saw one of uh, Hendersonville's finest drive through here, Hendersonville PD. We've got great city police departments and a great sheriff's office. Yes. And you know what? I think the the criminals, as stupid as they are, because there's never a smart criminal, they, I think they're learning. If you come into Sumner County to commit a crime, you're going to jail. We're not not messing around here. Not only do they get arrested, but our judges are very conservative, Mm -hmm. and I want to do a shout-out to them. I know all of them. They hold you accountable for your actions. And, you know, 
let's be honest, that's not always the case in Metro now. That's right. And uh, we take it serious, and we want to treat everybody in an equitable way. But if you cross that line, you're going to have to pay for your misdeeds. And that's the way it should be. Mm -hmm. In Davidson County, I know there's a lot of fluff being in the, the, the prosecution office. I mean, it's you, you can't have that. You know, you got to be hard on crime. You can't do all this uh, snowflake stuff and don't want to offend somebody by sending them to jail, you know. That's correct. And and I will also say this. I think our attitudes are changing. Some of these people involved in crime are a large part of it. It's drug-related. Mm-hmm. And these people are, there's no other nice way to say it, Jeff, but they're addicts. Yeah. And so what we want to do, we want to hold people accountable. But the bottom line is we don't want repeat offenders. Yeah. And what we want to do is try to help those people with treatment. And, of course, we were on the forefront of suing these uh, big pharma companies that produced all of these uh, opioids. We got a settlement with that, and I hope that the new administration and the new commission plans on spending some of that money wisely and mm-hmm. trying to help some of these people who have become addicted to these, basically it's poison. Sure. They call it medicine, but used incorrectly, it just makes them uh, completely addicted to these uh, these opioids. Well, one of the great things that I just saw that uh, the sheriff has uh, going to reinstitute the D.A.R.E. program. Right. And they're going to be launching that in Sumner County schools uh, again. And so it, it's just a you know, another awareness tool that we have to try to teach our kids. Well, know? we've got a fine sheriff, and he's he was a good partner with me. Of course, I'm no longer in county government, but uh, Sonny Weatherford, he takes his job serious, and he's got a lot of great men and women that work for him under the sheriff's office. Well, when you when you got the new EMS, uh, EMA facility out there, I mean, yeah. that's that was a that was a great uh, well, changer we, right there. We yeah, that was a. A, a huge game changer. You know, there's two things that I'm pretty proud of on that. You know, our hospital, if you go all the way back when I first uh, was elected as county executive at the time and then it became county mayor, we had our Sumner Regional Hospital that was actually a county hospital that had become a nonprofit and we owned the property. And so the hospital went into receivership, went into bankruptcy. And of course, everybody forgets because we've been living in good times. Now we got inflation, so it's a little shaky. Maybe we're going to recession, but we had what I call the great recession back then, if you mm-hmm. remember. People were losing their homes, property values were declining, and the hospital went bankrupt. And uh, we owned the property. Well, a group of attorneys from New York came down and it was their job to to sell the hospital to get rid of the assets. Mm-hmm. And, of course, they tried to pressure me at the time because I'm the CEO of the county, I'm the county executive, to, to sell the hospital for $3 million. And I'm like, that's insane. We're not doing that. So I went out and got an appraisal, and the thing appraised for about $100 million. Well, here's the challenge, though. It's in bankruptcy, okay? So that does diminish the value some. So finally, after about six months of negotiating back and forth and being threatened and and getting the employees upset and letting them kind of attack me because they thought they were going to lose their job, we finally settled the thing for $70 million. And that was a good value for the Mm -hmm. taxpayers. Mm -hmm. That would have been insulting to sell a a huge asset like that for a little amount of money. And this has been several years ago. This has been 15 years ago. Well, in the process... Jeff, the hospital owned this piece of property that was their corporate headquarters out on Airport Road. It was a 60,000 square foot building. It had uh, 
I believe it was eight acres. They were in duress, so they were selling everything off. And the county, I negotiated, we bought that for $2.9 million. You couldn't build a a 10,000-square-foot building now for (laughs) that. And we housed our EMS, our EMA, which is our emergency management services in case of a a storm. And then later on, got a grant, and we built a hardened facility and consolidated all dispatch, our emergency calls, Mm -hmm. in that one building. And it is a concrete building. It's like a a bomb shelter. The roof is a foot thick concrete, and the walls are even thicker, and the floor is even thicker. And so no matter what happens, if there's a hurricane, which no hurricanes here, tornado, anything will not disrupt communications in the county. And then all the cities joined in, and so now we have centralized dispatch. That's a great thing. I mean, I've heard nothing but people saying great things about that in in law enforcement, in the fire departments. They thought that was a game changer as well. We're going to continue our conversation with former County Mayor Anthony Holt when we come back with more of Summer County Spotlight. Thanks for listening to Summer County Spotlight. Be sure to check out our podcast page at whinradio.com. Just go to the podcast tab and click the Summer County Spotlight. There you can check out this show as well as our past episodes. This is Jeff Shannon. Hey, let's get right back to the show. And we're back with Sumner County Spotlight, former county mayor, Anthony Holt. And we're going to talk about some things and then what you're doing now. We'll go into that. But there has to be some great accomplishments that you're really proud of during your tenure. It is. I'll tell you one of the – and I'm going to get – I'm going to hit on a couple of subjects. First, the financial stability of the county and then infrastructure and transportation. One of the things I am proud of, when I first took office, we had a reserve fund of a little less than $3 million. And what reserve fund is, it's like a savings. Now, look, we have a tremendous budget. Just the school budget alone dwarfs every city's budget in the entire county. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the largest employer in the county. And so when you have less than $3 million reserve fund or savings, you're not going to be able to operate very long if something catastrophic happens. And it's not like that anymore, though. No. Today, we have over $30 million in our reserve fund. And so that's huge. Uh, The county is very stable, and we have – we went from a double-A-minus bond rating to double-A-plus. And I can tell you, when we built all these latest projects, because our bond rating is so stellar, we borrowed the money, Jeff, at less than 1.5% for 30 years fixed. It doesn't go up. And so that's pretty incredible. I'm very proud of that. I think I've I've done my best to be a good steward of the taxpayer's money. Let's talk about transportation. Transportation, we are challenged here in the county. You know, no interstate goes through Sumner County. None. The only place I-65 touches Sumner County is in part of Millersville in Gillisville. And so we rely on Vietnam veterans, 386, it's a state highway. If 109? You, if, and 109. If you drive those very often, you know how busy especially 386 is. Oh, yeah. And 109 is busy also. So the good news is working through Ford Sumner and getting their help because it's a public-private partnership, we have been very successful at working to get 386 widened. Now, it's on the books. They're doing the engineering. They're supposed to start working on the first section, three-laning it on each side, which would be six lanes, 
and supposed to start construction in 2024. That's so not very far. This is where we should insert applause. Well, yeah, yeah let's hope so. <laughs> Unfortunately, probably by the time they get it done, it'll, <laughs> right. it'll be crowded again. But we've got to do something. Also, we, we've been extremely successful with the help of our state senators and state representatives. We just got, and the county matched $10 million right before I left, the governor to put in about $100 million to straighten out the mess where Long Hollow Pike has a traffic light on uh, 386. And what that will do, it'll be a flyover there, and then 386 will go all the way to the 109 bypass going around Gallatin. Mm -hmm. And that's another road. We have completed the northern end. We had to lobby to complete the southern end going through Wilson County. And, of course, on the books and in what they call the transportation plan is to build a bypass around Portland. Uh, and that's huge because you've got to remember, as 109 is completed, they moved the entrance or exit off of I-65 over into Tennessee side. So that's where we share a border with Robertson County and, of course, all that traffic is coming down, that truck traffic and all, mm -hmm. coming down 109 now. And the problem up in the upper end of the county is it goes right through the middle of Portland. Oh, and that's not going to yeah, work. Yeah. But what that's going to do, Jeff, is going to open up another large area of Sumner County as far as transportation. And if we complete the widening of 386... On the books, we have what what is called the net corridor, which what that means is a used portion of 109 after 386 merges into it, and over around the old 109 area, that's where the old radio WHIM mm -hmm. was, they're going to continue that on. They're going to cross the railroad tracks there and Dobbins Pike and hook into 31E north wow. of Gallatin and four-lane that all the way to the Kentucky state line. And so that will open up the remainder of the county for transportation because there's a lot of traffic that comes down 31E now. Mm -hmm. And, of course, the city of Gallatin just completed the Albert Gallatin extension. Yeah, so that, it, that, was, that was great. That was great. So it really is going to tie the county together and open the county up, hopefully smart development, but at the same time, give the citizens an opportunity to commute more easily and give people a great opportunity to have an eclectic place to live across the county. Those are some great accomplishments. And, you know, during your 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 tenure, I guess, you know, you should be proud of all of that because, I mean, there is going to be growth here in Sumner County, and there's no doubt about it, and it becomes a popular place, probably even more so than ever in the past. Well, we have a lot of amenities here. You know, the lake has been a big draw and will continue to be a big draw, but we've got a nice, nice assortment of housing, a good education mm -hmm. system, public safety, and there's a lot of economic opportunities, and we've had some big wins with a lot of industry coming in, and the city of Hendersonville's done a good job, Gallatin, Portland, White House, and all these communities, if if you stay right here in Hendersonville or if you're in Gallatin and you don't travel around, go to some of these smaller cities that aren't as small anymore, and mm -hmm. they're growing like crazy, mm -hmm. and you'll be amazed at what's what's going on. When you, when you talk about accomplishments, this couldn't have been done without a collaborative effort. And so there's a lot of other people involved, mm -hmm. but I'm glad that uh, I was part of that. I, I feel good about Sumner County. I mean, direction. that's good. I mean, and, and you should. You know, you, you did that. That was your your chapter. Now 
we're going into a new chapter. So tell us about what you're involved with now. Well, I'm pretty excited. You know, this just happened. I had already planned my retirement. I wasn't running and uh, didn't qualify. And uh, right after qualification, which means, you know, the people get in to run the race, I knew I was retiring. Well, we had a gentleman that was the executive director of the Association of County Mayors, or County Mayors Association. And what that organization is, it is the organization for all county mayors across the state of Tennessee. There's 95 counties. The gentleman decided he was going to take another job. He's originally from East Tennessee, and he took a job as a uh, director of a development district. Those are set up across the state. And when he did, I was approached by some of my colleagues and says, well, that, this is an open position. You Are you interested in it? I said, well, I don't know. And they kind of brought my attention to it. And one of my good friends, his name, he was a, a previous mayor in West Tennessee. His name is Brent Greer. Great guy. Retired. He said, uh, you know what? You ought to apply for that. And so I kind of took a look at it, and I said, well, I was going to take some time off. He goes, no, you're the right man for the job. (laughs) So I applied for the job, and the county mayors chose me to run the association. So I'm extremely excited about it. So tell us what that that position is going to entail. Well, I get to help county mayors on a daily basis. I've got some knowledge of what goes on. A little bit. Uh, But I work with CTASC, which is the – County Technical Services, that is a branch of the University of Tennessee, and they've got some real professionals into that. Mm -hmm. And uh, we work together to help county mayors solve some of their issues. And then, of course, when our legislative branch, state legislators, go into session, they typically go in January, and they they stay in session to about April of each year, then I will be lobbying, advocating for all 95 counties across the state of Tennessee and be working with the governor's office. And so these legislators understand when they pass laws how that affects local government because these counties are a component part of the state. All these these county officials are what they call constitutional office holders. So we're a subdivision of the state. Mm -hmm. Unlike cities who are based on charters, they have a charter that spells out what they can do and can't do. So it's a really interesting job and I still feel like I get to make a difference in my, not only just here in Sumner County, but my entire state now. And I'm very excited and uh, very grateful that the mayors chose me to represent them. It's exciting. So and have you already started? I retired uh, August the 31st, and they gave me the job, and I started September 1st, so wow, I didn't get okay. a break. But I'm starting to get my sea legs understand what what goes on i've got an office downtown nashville uh, along with some other officials that run other organizations it's just great so this is a a a private organization that's not run by the state or anything like that well it's it's kind of it's it's (laughs) it's kind of unusual these are a lot of times nonprofits, jeff but they're quasi-governmental agencies does that make sense they're not government but they're they're essential for the operation of government Mm -hmm. because this is a you know county mayors they have to go through training and this is this job has turned very complex now it's you know used to you just focus on your sleepy little county but in middle tennessee you're part of a region if you can't operate and navigate regionally Mm -hmm. you're not going to get 
the grants and the services that the, the people here in this county depend upon. From the uh, County Mayor's Association, I guess you would probably be doing you know some conventions or seminars to get we all do. of them together. And we do about powwow and exchange ideas. That's right. We do yeah. about four a year, and yeah. we bring in people. You know, maybe the comptroller from the state uh, wants to speak to them about mm-hmm. the audit process or things that are going to be changed. Maybe the Secretary of State wants to come. Maybe the governor wants to come and address them. Our legislators. So it's it's uh, it's a way for them, the mayors across the state, to stay informed about what's going on overall because mm-hmm. that's going to affect them directly. So you got to have any kind of staff or essential personnel? I've got one administrative assistant. So it's 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 one of those things that uh, a lot of the time it's just me one-on-one with some mm. mayors or like you said holding our conferences and we've got a fall conference coming up in murfreesboro and uh then we invite different people in to uh inform the county mayors about what's going on and then we have a session and we talk about their concerns as we get into session then bills will be filed by legislators. And if it's a bill that's going to have a, a negative impact on counties, then we got to get out quickly and, and try to explain to those legislators this is going to have an adverse effect. Maybe it's going to, it's going to reduce funding for education or it's going to uh, uh, not address some of the needs that we have with our infrastructure or roads or other things. So you kind so of be the voice of, of the counties in the state of voice Tennessee. Voice of the counties across the state. Uh, with their input, the mayor's input, it's really, uh, for me, a very uh, rewarding job mm-hmm. because, you know, I've, I've lived this for a while. I understand county government. I don't understand everything about it, but I've yeah. got a pretty good concept. You know, this time around, we, we've got 37 new county mayors out of 95, so it was a pretty big turnover. Sure. Some didn't run, like me. Some mm-hmm. were defeated. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they've got a real learning curve, these wow. brand new ones. Uh, some of the ones that's been here for a couple of terms, they've got pretty good feel for what's going on, but there's always challenges. Yeah. Things change constantly. <laughs> well, it looks like you, you've you've got a road ahead of you, and I think you're up for the challenge. I think you're going to do great with it, and uh, you're going to take this association and make it bigger and better than ever, and uh, I wish you well with that. Well, I really appreciate it. I'm, I'm excited, and uh, I'm excited to still be here in the county with my friends, and, and who knows? Uh, what opportunities await all of us, but uh, exactly. I, I really want to thank all the citizens here in the county for the opportunity to serve this great county, and, and I sure hope that uh, I did my part to leave the county in better shape than it was when I first took office. I just know we appreciate you, and thank you for coming in and, and sharing all this, and that's uh, it's a great thing. you got a, a great thing ahead of you, and I wish you a lot of good luck with it because a, a lot of it's going to be uh, kind of challenging, but I think you're up for it. So thanks for coming in, thank and we you. appreciate it. Have a great uh, Sunday. We're doing it. All right, that's going to wrap up this segment of Sumner County Spotlight. Sumner County Spotlight will return next Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Thanks for listening. 